Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, God, that you didn't leave us orphans or you didn't leave us alone, Lord, that you're an ever-present help in time of need, that, God, you're here. All we have to do is look up, open our mouth, and say, help us. Lord, you're here. God, I pray, Lord, that people would understand how much you love them and, and how much you desire relationship with them. Lord, I pray you would open ears and hearts to receive who you are. For when we experience and encounter you, Lord, there's nothing that can satisfy. There's, there's no counterfeit. There's nothing in this life that could ever feel, uh, fill that void that we feel inside. It's your presence. It's your word. It's who you are. It's you, Lord. It's you that we need. It's you that we long for. It's you that we're seeking. And Lord, we invite you into this space, into this place to really um, just light up our life, light up our, our, from our inside out, Lord. We have to know you. We have to see you. We have to encounter you. We have to, to see what you do and how you do it, Lord. It's not just the work of men, God, but there's a supernatural heavenly touch and heavenly call, Lord. I, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are moving in and through our lives. When we invite you, Lord, you come to dwell. You come to inhabit and to, to be in us and be with us wherever we go. We just love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Well, thank you for tuning in. Episode 42 of the Brandon Archer Podcast where I dive into the word and believe this is a, a spiritual podcast for people with spiritual ears and those who have ears let them hear what God is speaking uh, through me and through this podcast I believe it will encourage challenge empower equip you um, to just have more of an intimacy with God and to to just know him uh, better and so let's go ahead and jump in actually I want to do a little recap from last week. So I finished the book of Acts. I didn't even realize it. And the story of Paul. Now it is said that he was beheaded. They don't know exactly 100% whether he was beheaded or he just lived and died of old age. But it is it is uh, researched and known. And basically the consensus is, is that he was beheaded later um, by Nero, I think it was. So... Who, knew, who knows exactly what happened, but I believe that Paul was martyred. I believe he went out because I believe there was a part of his passion and desire for the Lord was to to take a stand and go all the way with God. And when you do that, you're going to affect that wickedness and that evil spirit out there, and that thing's going to want to lash out. And we've seen it. Um, we, we not only see it now in this hour that we're living in, but we've seen it in the past, you know, where even people who aren't maybe strong in the gospel, but just even like for for uh, equal rights, like back when Martin Luther King and, and you know all the protests and the Million Man March, and and there was a spiritual force behind that man. God was on that man's life. He was a a minister, um, but it's that type of tenacity that says, "I don't care if I live or die. 
I'm going to preach the gospel. And that's the, the purpose and the point of, of kind of how I wanted to end the study um, through the book of Acts. We saw Christians, true blue examples of what does it mean to be a Christian? And we saw that. And I think if you were to compare Christianity today with Christianity in the book of Acts, you would see a huge difference. And a lot of it has to do with, I think, the time we're living in and, you know, technology. And it's definitely a different time. But the heart and the purpose is not different. I think it's been changed because of just the flesh and men and and. It seems like churches and, and ministry has become more of a bend it, uh, of a business model where people kind of, um, you know, it just becomes more of like a, a, a trade or a, um, a commercial thing where it's like, uh, you know how many videos I see of churches on Facebook and they got like two young people up there and they're, and they're come visit us this weekend on, you know, at this church and come, we want to, you know, you're accepted and, and, uh, I get, I get that and I understand it, but there's a part of me that just is suspicious about it because, you know, it's like everybody competing, uh, who's, who's, who's got the best product and Christianity is more about a sell and a, uh, let me sell you on Jesus and this cool Christianity that I have instead of this uh, die to self, come give your life, lay it down and pick up a purpose and a call. And that's the Christianity that I'm looking for. That's the Christianity I want to be a part of. I'm not looking for commercial Christianity uh, where you just have, you know, people with good looking people on a screen saying, hey, come hang out with us. We're cool. You know, we love God and we're cool. Don't you want to be cool and love God, too? And uh, it's it's more of the dynamic of, hey, we're cool because we love God. And do you want to come do like we do and be use like we're being used and see the miracle signs and wonders and the and intensity of who God is show up in people's lives. I don't think, I mean, there's, there's definitely dynamic preaching and dynamic move, a move of God in the house of God. And I believe that's important, but ultimately it's what's happening outside of the four walls and how, how is that church? How is that congregation affecting their city? their nation, their world? How are they impacting um, what's going on uh, in their surroundings, not just in a building? And we've gone over this. So before I get on the soapbox, let's go ahead and jump into what um, I believe today's message is going to be about. Uh, there's a scripture in Ephesians where it talks about spiritual warfare. We don't war according to flesh. Um we don't wrestle. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities, forces, evil, wickedness, and then it talks about our armor, right? The armor of God. Well, today I want to focus on one piece of the armor, and I might go into more down the road here. But today specifically, it's about uh, the shoes, your shoes, the gospel of peace. God has put on these shoes, and it's in Ephesians six. Or, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me let me get this scripture reference right. Because I know Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Not your own might, but be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Who you are in Christ, who Christ is in you, who he was, is actually living and alive on the inside of you. So 
we're going to put on the whole armor of God and we're going to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil in the power of his might. But it takes our effort. You know, it's not like you just you're in the power of God's might and there's no effort. If that was the case, then we wouldn't be putting on. Right. We wouldn't be engaging in some sort of process here of being strong in the Lord. Being strong in the Lord takes effort. It's not going to be you just doing nothing and, okay, be strong in the Lord while you do nothing. No, it's be strong in the Lord, meaning understand your strength and your power and the, even the motivation to do anything for God comes from God himself. And that spirit is the thing that's an unction and empowering, equipping you and going with you. It's not you alone. So you're being strong when you feel weak, you feel tired, you feel like I can't do this, you feel, well then he's saying, be strong in the Lord. Draw on that strength, draw from that inner place. You know, you can muster up strength and push. And you know, when a woman's having a baby, she doesn't feel strength and she doesn't feel, I remember my wife having her second, our, our second child and I was there the whole process. It was just me and her. The first one, she had her mom in the room and it was a little bit more, you know, and I get it, you know, it's your first baby. And she, so that her mom kind of had that, that place. And I just was like, okay, you know, this, this is what she wants. And our second child, I was there in the room. I was in the room for the first one too, but it wasn't as intimate because, you know, you have a third person in there. I mean, that's, it's just not going to be the same, but I, I was just me and her and she was going through labor and it was intense and you could see the struggle and I was just like blown away and it was so incredible watching this process and then being there for it and also being a support and just helping her and encouraging her and um, just wanting to make her comfortable as much as I could but you know she could draw on my strength she could draw on my the the that positive place or that 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 encouragement there in that moment to to say hey you got come on you can do this come on you can do it to have a natural birth and she did and it was beautiful and it was incredible and it actually gave me such a high respect for that whole process and for women who who go through that process to have a child i think it's just incredible but the Lord's saying, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over, the pre over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. There, look, this is what the Bible's saying, right? The Bible's teaching this. There's people that like stray away or they get way, they try to go too deep in this thing and it becomes everything's the devil everything's the angel and it just they become cuckoo for cocoa puffs you know and they end up they end up kind of not being as impactful when the reality of it is is it's very simple the way it breaks down the way the enemy works he works through your thought process he works through your emotions and he tries to get your own um weakness to be uh your stumbling block so he'll try to find those places in your life where you're weak and he'll exploit it. But that's why you have to be strong in the Lord. You have to know who you are, right? Not only um, in the sense of, I know who I am in Christ, right? Like and have a boldness and confidence, but you also have to know who you're not in Christ. You have to know where you're weak. You have to know where you, where you struggle and you have to be willing to let God into that space 
because if you do, he will become the strength. That's why he said, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when you're able to be weak before the Lord in honesty, God is able to empower you and equip you uh, in a supernatural way. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm so that you'll be able to stand when in the evil day. I would say the days we're living in are evil and we need to stand and having done all to stand, we need to continue to stand and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. So there's a truth to it. There's, there's the truth. The truth that you know will set you free. The truth that you exercise and apply to your life will set you free. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And this is our, our text. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the gospel of peace, these shoes, right? In the Amplified, it says, having strapped to your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and in readiness to produce, in readiness produced by the good news. And having strapped on your feet your effort, putting on your feet, making sure, you know, when you look at feet, you're thinking about what, what are, what does feet represent? Feet represent your path that you're walking on, right? Direction. Where are you going? Your feet take you to where you're going, but also your feet become that um, when somebody's trying to come and push you or knock you down, your feet are the thing that are the firmness to your stance and how you stand and how you embrace. Your feet become the, uh, the balancing or that force where you can put force and you can withstand the enemy. So you have purpose. You, your, your feet are position correctly to embrace the battle that's coming. It's the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. So you know as you are entering into this spiritual walk and this spiritual relationship with God that there is a warfare that's going on. There is a spiritual war happening. And it's not so much you know, this is the part that, you know, I want to kind of, if I can, break this religious, weird, and I believe it's the devil who has, has really amped this up. But the spiritual warfare isn't out there. Like people think, oh, it's just out there in the heavenlies, right? Like, like we can't see it, but there's angels and demons up there and they're fighting and their, their swords are clashing and they're like, they're up there and we just, you know, our imagination creates this warfare. And then, you know, we got to, we got to blow a trumpet. And when we do that, like it shakes those demons fighting and the, and the angels like, yay, victory. The, the guy with the freaking horn or the guy with the, with the, <laughs> with the shofar came and blew and, and destroyed the enemy. I was having a hard time there fighting that demon until that Christian came with that shofar, right? It's like so goofy. And it's, it's spiritual nonsense. And it, all it is is it just gives bored Christians... It's, it's like a distraction from the real purpose of what they're supposed to be doing and praying and, and going after. The devil in the heavenlies is not what you need to be worried about. You need to be worried about the devil that is trying to attack your mind, attack your attitude, your heart, 
the, the enemy is trying to get you to be bitter, trying to get you to be unforgiving, unloving, um, selfish. These are the devil's. Uh, this is his agenda. This is his battlefield. It's your mind and it's your heart. He's after. And you need to be concerned about what, how's the devil working in other people's lives around you? Your family, your, your wife, your children. You should be in tune to the spirit and be able to, as they're talking or if they're having you know thoughts or they come to you and share something and it's maybe it's dark, maybe it's depressing and you're like, whoa, hold on a second. What are you listening to? Who's speaking to you? This is not God's voice in your life. This is the enemy attacking you. And I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And let's replace those negative and that darkness with God's word, with what he says, with with his truth. And let's apply it to our life because that's where we're going to get the victory. It's not going to be in you dressing up in fatigues and then going around talking about spiritual battle and, the you know, you're, you're in some kind of fight and... <laughs> And you got to like have all these trinkets and holy water and all this stuff. It's like, that's just, it's all, uh, what do you call it? Flare or there's really no power to it, right? The power is in your faith. It's in your ability to withstand. It's in, it's in your stance, in your feet. And that's kind of, uh, where we're going with this message today. Your ability to stand firm, hold your ground, be faithful, be faithful to God, be faithful to the people that you that God's placed in your life. Uh, be faithful to love, to to forgive, to be obedient to the Lord. Be strong in Him and and cling to Him and have that stance that says, "I'm going to stand, God. I'm going to be with you. I'm here with you. I'm going to stand even when people are hurling insults and and the enemy's attacking me. And sometimes it comes through people. It comes through uh, bitter religious people who want to talk and say a bunch of mess because they're bitter in their own life and then they got nothing better to do but gossip and talk about you behind your back and you got to embrace that with a stance that allows for God to pour through your life and he will pour he will confound the wise he will confound the enemy he will go and he will destroy whatever their plot and plan is he already knows he hears what they're saying you might not hear it with your ears you might feel it in your spirit or you might think, but ultimately God's the one. So you don't have to live in this place of opposition all the time with people. You can walk in love. You can walk in this supernatural ability to ignore what the enemy's doing and, and engage with what God's doing in a moment. And sometimes he'll use you to break down those barriers, break down those walls, destroy the, what the enemy's doing in somebody's life. And that's what you should be focused on. You shouldn't be focused on doing some kind of like, you know, spiritual rain dance to try to get it to rain because it hasn't rained you know <laughs> or you're doing some kind of weird voodoo and in stuff you know i don't know people just get weird when it comes to spiritual warfare and yeah there's demons yeah there's there's real darkness but we have authority over these things and god gives us discernment to be able to tell when they're working and you can go and you can pray and you can lay hands on somebody and cast the devil out but if you don't get if you don't put them in discipleship and get them connected to jesus and in a relationship those devils are looking to come back and they're bringing their friends and they're they're going to try to hold hold it down and you know like the bible teaches you know that 
the enemy's not he's not just leaving and then he's okay i'm done no he's gonna try to come back he's he's plotting and planning he's scheming he he there's the schemes of the the enemy and we are to be um like learned or or uh taught and understand what his schemes are as we get to know the lord as we live life we get to see oh oh i know how the devil works i he he doesn't have very many options his number one way of working is deception right he he's a liar he likes to lie and i think where there's lies at that get, becomes the open door for the enemy to come in and cause problems in our life or in our relationships. And we have to be honest. We have to be truthful, even when it hurts and, and embrace one another, love one another and come to a place of reconciliation or whatever it is, or, or agree to disagree or whatever those things that cause a conflict in humanity with people. There has to be some sort of way to work through it where God gets involved. And sometimes there's not. Sometimes you just have to, okay, you know what? You do you, I'll do me. And you have to separate because people are going in a different direction than you. And sometimes it's family. Sometimes family, the people you love, you got to let, let them go because they're not wanting to come with you or they're not moving in the same direction you are. Their thought, their life doesn't even, they're not even in thinking about God. They're thinking about all this worldly stuff. And you could be there as an example and be there as an influence. But ultimately, you don't, you're not going to spend your days and your, and your nights with them all the time because of the influence that you have. Because they're either influencing you or you're influencing them. So having shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So there's two opposing purposes. There's God's purpose in creating mankind because he wanted a relationship, right? God wanted a relationship with mankind, so he created them. Not only that, but they were holy. They were sanctified until sin came. But it also talks about God's purpose in rewarding man. Like God is a rewarder. He's, he didn't create man to just uh, have a relationship and just have this kind of like shallow, you know, connection. No, it's deep. And he wants to be a father and he wants every, he wants us, he wants to be everything in our life. And as we allow that to happen, God rewards, God blesses, God shows up. He's faithful. His promises are yes and amen. So there's the kingdom of God that's good, that's, that's um, you know, like a father who loves his children and wants to bless his kids. This is God's purpose. And then there's the devil's purpose in the destruction of what God's created, in the destruction of mankind, in destroying and breaking apart and bringing all, his, all, all the wickedness and evil into the world. Why? So he can keep m mankind from a relationship with God. So all the people who don't have a relationship with God, some of it's their own choice, but a lot of it is because they're being influenced by a evil force, a demonic force that's pressing in on them and, and wanting to keep them from understanding and knowing God and having this beautiful relationship with him. But when that thing breaks and they actually encounter and see Jesus and see who this God is, I'm telling you, you're never the same. You'll never be the same. You'll always have this um, knowing that God is real and he's alive. And that doesn't mean the devil gives up. People, he's still working. He, he works on people who are, aren't saved and he works on people who are saved. And if he can get people watered down,
and full of just selfishness and full of like, you know, this this watered down version of Christianity where there's um, no power. There's no demonstration of the move of God's spirit active in their life. All they have to show that they're a Christian is a Bible and the fact that they go to church. When in reality, if you go back to the book of Acts, you saw a lot more of what it took to be a Christian and what it looked like. And it's not to shame or cause guilt or judge anybody. It's just, I mean, it's just reality, right? There's God's reality and then there's mankind's reality and they clash. God's reality is not man's reality. And men are always trying to bring God into their reality and then package God and and put like, you know, dress him up and put stuff on him to make him look like he's cool and he's awesome and he's hip. God's this and God's that. Hey, come hang out with God. He's cool. And it's like, no, God's holy. He's powerful. He is cool. He is awesome. He's wonderful. He's freaking amazing. He's 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 worth everything. Right. But they want it to be like this watered down. Hey, he's cool. He's okay with with all your failures and faults and all this stuff. He he doesn't care about any of that. He just loves you. He wants you to hang out with him and be cool. No, he wants to show you he loves you. He wants to show you he's cool. He wants to show you that he's amazing, that he's awesome, that he can provide for you, that he's there for you, that he can heal you, that he can he can encourage you, that he can become your strength in a time of need. He can be an ever present help when you're struggling. God wants to show off and, and show you who he is, but he also wants to equip you and give you purpose. He wants you to put on his shoes. He's made a pair of shoes for everybody, right? This purpose, this destiny. It's it's the thing that God says, hey, uh, let's just, Larry, right? Larry, you've given your life to me. Yes, Lord, I love you. All right, Larry, well, um, I, I have a plan and a purpose for you. Here, I got you these pair of shoes and they're the gospel of peace. They're, they're, they're for you to go out and to produce and to share the gospel and go destroy the works of the devil. Go expose what the enemy's doing and take back because I've already paid the price. I've already purchased it, but I need you to go exercise your authority and take it back in Jesus' name, right? And that purpose has to be uh, put on. It's something we, we, we walk with and step with in our life into what God has for us. Right. And the counterfeit is to tell people they don't have that. They don't need that. The counterfeit is to say, ah, you know what? Just hang out with God. You know, just just hang out with God and be comfortable and enjoy him and and just look at him all day long and, and see how wonderful he is. Let me tell you, when you look at Jesus, then what happens is Jesus turns turns your gaze towards what what what's going on out there, because he he loves the lost. If he wanted to, he could end the whole thing. We could all go to heaven and everybody's, but that's not the way it's, it works. We have to go out and do what he, our part. And that's where we die to self. We lay down our life, pick up his purpose, his cross, and we go after it. Whatever our purpose is, whatever industry, whatever job, right? Whatever part mountain you're on, you know, that teaching of the seven mountains. It's not to go and take dominion and, and be somebody and go, oh, look how great I am. I'm at the top of this mountain. No, it's to go preach the gospel at the top of the mountain with the threat and may may happen that you get thrown down the mountain and, and killed, right? This is what we saw in the Bible. 
Like you go up that top of that mountain and you're like, yeah, Jesus is Lord and you're preaching the gospel. And the next thing you know, somebody comes behind you with a sword and beheads you and because you, because you won't stop preaching in the name of Jesus. You won't stop preaching the truth because the world's not going to love you unless they are loving God. The, Jesus said the world hates, hates me and it'll hate you too. But you're there to preach so that ones who will hear, the ones who will say yes, will turn and and grab a hold of it and go after God. But there's going to be those who who aren't going to. There's going to be those who have hard hearts and who want to, who hate you, who curse and revile you. This is the promise that's in the Bible. Jesus promised that you're going to have persecution, right? You're going to have the spirit of this world want to kill you and destroy you. You're going to have people hate you and talk all evil, evil about you. So don't think about you going to the mountain and you being this like, I'm the victory. I have the mountain. I own the mountain now, right? This is the Christian mountain now. No, you're in the world and you're to go and preach and proclaim the truth. And if God, if something happens supernatural, that's awesome. And and you have some sort of place and authority and and you take back the arts for Jesus, then praise God if, if, if that happens. But what I've seen is most people that try to go into that realm, they end up getting watered down or polluted or, or the temptation's too strong. And the next, next thing you know, they fall short. There's a um, story of a, of a worship leader, uh, and I'm not going to use his name, but maybe you can figure out by me telling you the story. But he was an incredible writer, songwriter and worshiper and was leading worship and singing songs. And the next thing you know, he's getting pulled on, going and hanging out with people who are important, people who are famous. And this guy's married. He's got kids. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, well, not all of a sudden, obviously it takes time, but he's in an affair and he's leaving his wife and he's going to go marry this other girl. He's going to be unfaithful with who God gave him and who he committed to, to go be with some better, you know, he thinks better looking, better, maybe nicer, whatever. And he thinks he's going to, he's going to get what God really has for him. And guess what? He loses all his uh, influence. All, he's just another statistic of somebody who tried to go into the world to be a light, instead compromise, and then have no power, no authority. See, the compromise actually takes away your ability to, to walk in the supernatural. That's why you don't want to go into those realms and try to be an influence when you don't really know what it's about. You better be willing to die in the realm you go to, in, the, in that realm of darkness. Whatever, if it's business, if it's Hollywood, if it's um, educational system, politics, whatever mountain, right, they teach, which I believe there's, there's some truth to that teaching, but it's not, it's not the victorious ride that everybody wants to try to make it out to be because if that's the case, then Christianity would have already overtaken it. And, and that's not what's happened because the purpose isn't to, to all of a sudden have this like, you know, everybody's a Christian at, at, you know, Universal Studios and they're making Christian movies, which some Christians think that's what's going to happen. No, there, you might have some Christians that are preaching the gospel in that environment and taking a stand for truth. And if we get people in places of power, then they can affect change for the glory of God, which is what we want, what we're pursuing. But the goal is to preach the gospel and be an example of who God is on the earth. And that could, that could be the end of your career. That could be the end of your um, life. 
And this is the truth of the gospel. So the gospel of the, the shoes on our feet represent the purpose of wherever we're going, whatever realm that we're walking into, God's equipped us. The call of God is, is there. When you give your life to Jesus, you're called, you're chosen by God. You're not, God's just not saving people to like have them do nothing for him. He's not saving people so that he can be like, you know what, God really changed my life and he did everything for me. And then I'm gonna go sit in an office and be quiet and just do my work for somebody else who doesn't love God, somebody else who doesn't even know God, be around people that don't know God and me be quiet and just get paid. But yet I just got delivered and saved. No, that's not the purpose of why you're on the earth. You're, you're to get saved and delivered and then say, God, now what can I do to pay it back? What can I do to return the favor? Because you saved my life. You did everything. You've set me free. And God, I want to give my life back to you. And people need to understand the cost because there's a cost to it. And if you don't want to pay the cost, you can do nothing. God's still going to love you. But ultimately, you're going to miss out on all that God had for you to do. And I think the realization of that is going to be even more present when you're standing before him when this life is over. And people don't know and they're not taught that. You're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to have to be accountable for every idle word you spoke, for for um, time wasted, for what for the things that when you cowered away, when you had a chance to be bold and say something, but instead you chose to the coward path and shut your mouth. Like if if getting saved was it, then then there's no need to even like be here, right? Like let's like if this was all just some kooky religion, then we might as well just all like like those cults, right? Get the blanket, drink the cyanide, and then you know the the heavenly ship's going to come pick us up because this earth is no good. It's no bueno. Right? We need to go be around God. No, but God wants to fill people with him and then he wants to place people in this dark world that's on its way to hell so they can be a light and a beacon of hope for the lost and for those who are hurting, those who don't even know that there is a God who loves them. And that's the purpose for mankind. And you can't take that away. The gospel of peace, the purpose on the shoes that he's put on your feet. Now, the purpose of warfare, what is the purpose? Why do we go to war? To win, right? There, there's a, there's a, a battle because there's disagreement or there's opposing opinions, and then we go to war to win. And the reason why we have freedoms in America isn't because Jesus died on the cross, it's because people went to war and they won. And we won battles. The reason why Hitler didn't, and we don't live in a, a, a society that <laughs> is crazy and insane is because Hitler lost. Now, unfortunately, there were 6 million Jews who died, and it's horrendous. And this is another thought, too. You go back in the Bible and you read about his chosen people, the Jewish nation. And I used to do this thing where I would write on a piece of paper, Israel, right? God's people, Israel. And I would put God, and then underneath it, I would spell out the word Israel. And if you take the word Israel and then just move a couple of letters around, and you put God on the top, God, and then you type and you say I-S, and then you change the, the A and the E, and then you write R-E-A-L. And right there, hidden, 
I believe God knows this, but it says God is real, right? Because the big argument for a lot of people is, is God real? God's not real. God's not, there's no God. There's no God. But the simplicity of God to, to hide the very, so simply in his name and in his people that he chose, God is real. He's real. And the fact that the devil's real is that you see it as he uses a man and raises up this evil man, which if you go back and study his life and how he lived it, he was wicked and he would he was a drug addict as well. He was on crazy drugs. There's a video of him on like some, and he's just, you could just see him. He's just cranked. He's either on meth or he's on some sort of, of drug that's causing him to be super... And, the, and the, he, they used to give the Germans uh, meth, I think it was meth, to, because it would help them fight. But the reality of it is, is it doesn't. It actually, it taxes you because where you're paying off and you're feeling all this, you know, high, get ready for the crash. And when you crash, you're, you're, there's no way you're ready to fight. And America came in and we fought and we won the war. And here's the picture I want to paint for you about uh, spiritual warfare when it comes to God. So Jesus paid the price and we're free. He, he went and took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He has all authority. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He paid the price for us. But this world is not, it's not done yet, right? This is like a, um, a container for mankind to live, to dwell in, to, to have life. But the, the, mystery of is God real is still something to be discovered and he's equipped and he's empowering people who will believe on him believe because there's generations that have come after Christ after the and it's all in the Bible right the stories and in his great story his story history right his story is seen and it's revealed through in time by people who accept but then also go out and proclaim the truth and I don't, obviously nobody knows how, it, how it's all going to play out. It's, there's a lot of faith to this. But when you get close to the Lord, there's almost like an assurance or a confidence because the more you get to know him, the more you see, oh, oh, I get it now. I see why all this is here because God loves man, but God wants a relationship with man. And to get that pure yes from man, he's got to give them the freedom to choose. So men get to choose God and say yes to him and it be a pure yes it's not a yes out of this uh demand or this like uh you better say yes to me because i'm your god right even though people will say well well why does he send people to hell and people well i don't want to go to hell so i'll say yes to you god but that's not what god's looking for that's why he sent jesus if it was that if that was the case then why doesn't he just come out of heaven with his big god voice and say my people choose me or die right and then like thunder lightning earthquakes fires and then people go oh my god okay we're gonna serve you lord (laughs) and a lot of people that's sometimes how it happens because they come to the end of themselves and the brokenness of of life comes in and, and destroys and breaks them down to where they're finally willing to say yes to him and then they have this encounter and it changes their life and sometimes that's and, and and I believe it's designed that way so that God gets a yes from a heart that's broken, surrendered and genuine. 
right? It's not this, okay, bail me out, and then I'm not, and I'm pretty sure there's people like that. Bail me out, God, and then they don't do anything for God. They just go back to what they know, and God just still is hoping that they'll, you know, repent and come to him and have a relationship with him. But the purpose of warfare is to win. And we now, because the enemy's still allowed to work and do what he's doing on the earth, he hasn't been, you know, cast to hell. He's not chained up. He's still roaming the earth. And you see it in, in he, his vessel that he uses, just like God uses vessels, is man. Man can be evil and be influenced and, and become evil. Like you, you see it in, you know, serial killers and you see it in uh, wretched, horrible uh, men and women who are exposed to darkness and then darkness takes over. And next thing you know, they're doing horrendous things in the dark, thinking they're going to get away with it. Murders and, and thefts and, you know, the, what's happening in the whole uh, slave and sex slave and, and uh, trafficking, all the stuff that happens in the dark and there's men and women who are saying yes to evil and allowing this to happen that's wickedness that's demonic and that's people who are surrendered to to the devil to do his will and his work but then there's those who are yielded and surrendered to god to take a stand to proclaim the truth to go and to break those strongholds to break people out of that stupor of the enemy and get, their, get them to see that God's real and alive and, and their sin and their decisions don't have to take them to hell and destroy their life. And, and, and they don't have to miss out on this beautiful thing uh, called a relationship with God. And that's part of our purpose is to, to be engaged in that battle. And if you do not teach Christians this, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader of a church and you do not teach this doctrine, you are removing the almost the main point, right? Yeah, there's the cross. Yeah, there's forgiveness. Yeah, your 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 sins are forgiven. God loves you. Yeah, he's he loves you so much. He sent his only begotten son, right? But now he's equipping you. He's giving you the Holy Spirit. He's empowering you. He's giving you the gifts of the Spirit. He's giving you everything he has, who he is to live on the inside of you. To go now, take back what the devil's stolen. Go back into the camp of the enemy with the power and the anointing of God to break off the chains that he's putting on people's lives. And if this isn't your, if you don't understand this purpose, then you're just okay with showing up with the Bible to a church to listen to a guy talk about the Bible and that's it, then somehow you're missing it. We're missing it. We're missing it as Christians. And for me, I can't be around that type of mentality. I can't go into a church and join a church where people are just disconnected from the main point of what the Holy Spirit has been even given to us for. What he's given us to just sit there. Uh, I used to have a preacher. He say, what, God just, he wants you to come listen to stories, right? Or does he want you to go live one, go be one? Or go listen to sermons or do you want to be a sermon? Do you want to be used by God to where to where the story of your life glorifies who he is and his power and his authority and his promise of eternal life his promise that yeah one day this earth will not be here one day 
this whole thing is going to burn up and and, uh, it's not going to exist. And science even points in that direction. And, And our earth even speaks and grumbles and groans and you can see it. Science actually proves God. It doesn't disprove him. So purpose of warfare, again, to win, to spoil, expose, unravel, and to bring to an end the schemes of the enemy. So where the enemy wants to try to destroy the the work of God, which he can't, right? The only way he destroys God's work is when men surrender and yield and allow him to use their power and their authority to reign and rule. He's not reigning and ruling in the heavenlies in some kind of invisible throne and this big evil like Sauron, right? Like in the Lord of the Rings, he's just this evil eye up there in this tower. No, his evil is that tower is in the heart of man and the spirit of God and that repentance and that being born again drives that throne that the enemy had in people's lives out. It breaks it to where now Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you and you have a relationship and you're empowered and equipped to go now be healed, cleaned up, delivered, set free. You have the righteousness of Christ. He puts a sword in your hand and a shield in your other hand. And he says, now let's go to war. Let's go and let's go see the enemy destroyed. And that war isn't you being goofy and trying to be like fight spirits in the invisible realm. No, you're there to go and get involved in people's lives and by the power and the anointing of God, expose, break the change, destroy, speak life over them, encourage them. If they're down and depressed, you don't go, hey, here's, here's a pill, take a pill. No, you come in and you break it in the, in the name of Jesus. You destroy what the enemy's doing and they are now free to do what God wants them to do, which is to be used for his glory and his kingdom. And I guarantee you, God's not saying, hey, uh, if, if again, if it was just about heaven on earth, right? And God just wanted to create a place uh, for us to just sit and stare at him all day, uh, then uh, you know what? You might as well just go to heaven. Let's just help you out, right? Let's just help you out and die now so that you can go be with God and stare at him all day. While you're on the earth, you're here to do something for him. You're not here to go sit in a building and stare at him and then do nothing. If you want to go sit and be with God and get full of the Lord, he's going to put a fire in your belly. He's going to put a word in your mouth, which is the sword of the spirit. And he's going to put purpose on your feet. And he's going to send you out into a dark world. And he's saying, now go get him. Now go break that yoke. Go out there and preach the gospel. Go out there and do something for me. He's not going to keep inviting you back into a room to sit there and get high on God and become some sort of addict to something and and then people die and go to hell out there in the world. Okay, this is watered down, goofy nonsense. Christianity that that doesn't have a a price to pay or the price for you to pay. Oh, he paid it all. I don't have to do anything but come in here and I just get to gaze at him and look at him and stare at him. And then what? To do what? to come back and do it all over again so you can constantly go, God, thank you for your love. I, you know what, I sinned this week. And it's all about you. It's all about your life. It's all about what God's doing in you. No, it's now God's going to turn your gaze and you're going to see your neighbor and God's going to want you to go love on him. He's going to want you to go get to know him. He's going to want you to get involved in their life and be a light in the darkness. He's going to equip you to go out into the world that song that you're singing is going to go out and it's going to touch people outside the building. 
Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Lord, I pray you break the lies of false doctrine and, and, and just nonsense. Or we're going to be so different that we're different and we're going to be so our own, right? People say this. People say that they're, they're, they have a DNA, right? Like, you know what I want? I want heaven's DNA. I don't want a man's DNA. I don't want a church's DNA. I don't want some person's DNA. If that man has heaven's DNA, then that's what I want. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? He didn't say, follow me as, as I goof off and, and, and totally ignore the word of God and create my own version of it. And then produce watered down, lukewarm people who aren't equipped to go out there and be a light in the world. Be equipped for what? The work of the ministry. Pastoral ministry and, and the, the um, fivefold ministry is there to equip people to go be a light. I, I believe this has turned into my soapbox. So forgive me if I'm coming off a little raw. <laughs> but this is something I want and desire in my own life. I need this. I need this to be a Christian. Because I can't just be a hangout, cool, want to be cool Christian. I don't want to be liked by everybody and have everybody applaud and say, oh, praise God, you know, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's no purpose for my life other than just existing. Like if all I, all I do is just enjoy God, then please, Lord, take me to heaven because I don't want to see the, the, the little babies and the people that are starving and dying. Yeah, God wants you, here, here's another thing. God wants you to go sit in a room and stare at Jesus while, people, while young children are starving and dying in the world. And your time should be, I'm just, this is where I'm gonna spend my life, is in God's presence. How about you let God come in and live on the inside of you because you're the temple and you go out and do something for God and actually see um, the enemy destroyed and the work of what he's doing and how he's destroying little uh, ch children and adults and teenagers and women who are abused and, and men who are addicted to all kinds of hell and evil. And God wants you to go and bring his light and his truth into their life and see him set free and delivered. This is why you're on the earth. I don't want a false, I don't want, I don't want a secondary, like, like I have heaven on the inside of me and I, I can, I can experience God's presence through my worship and because he walks with me everywhere I go, God can manifest his glory because I'm in the room, because he lives in me. I'm the temple. But that's not, that's not being in the actual heavens in his presence when we actually die and we leave this earth and we're now with him where he is. It's not the same. You're not gonna create that on the earth, okay? He's, he's already created in heaven. If that's the case, there's no heaven to go to. He said, behold, I prepare a place for you. The place he's prepared for you is much better than this place right here. And it's much better than any man trying to prepare a place, right? God didn't say, hey man, I need you to prepare a place for my people. No, God said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and it's heavenly. And you're gonna come and you're gonna see the reality of who I am on the other side of this. But right now you're living by faith and I have an assignment and I need you to go take what you have on the inside of you and go reveal it to other people. And that's a glimpse. It's a piece of that. It's not the whole thing. If that's the case, we'll go be in heaven and that's where we'll exist. So I'm sorry to, to, to step on some people's <laughs> feet, but at the end of the day, it's nonsense what people teach in the church. 
to get people distracted from the call and the purpose of the Great Commission. You know, I don't care if people don't like me and they want to and and get mad and all stuff. I really don't because I know in whom I believe and I know what the Bible says because I read it and I know what God has done in my life. And I know the price he paid for me and how much he loved me. And then you know what? He's turned my heart to see and want to love other people the same way and see them free and set free or delivered and set free. And that should be the push in the pool of my heart. It's not to go hang out with them and just get high on God all day and and then do nothing in a dark world that needs Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. So these shoes represent authority. They represent direction. They represent your assignment to take ground, to produce and manifest God's kingdom on the earth. What does God's kingdom on the earth look like? Does it, does it just look like a room where people can go and, and experience his presence and listen to somebody talk about the Bible? No, kingdom on the earth is God's morality, his truth. Um, if you look at like, again, you go back to systems like the seven mountains, right? It's to go into a dark place, preach the gospel. And by the grace of God, somebody who's in a place of authority gets to shift. And then the next thing you know, they start changing laws and rules that line up with the Bible. They don't change them to line up with the world and sin and debauchery. They change, they change it to line up with God. And that's his kingdom on the earth is, is his rule, his reign on the earth. He's a king and his kingdom has his rules and his um, authority. And we're to walk in that and manifest that in our preaching of the gospel and destroying and defeating the enemy. Shoes represent your purpose. It's knowing the why, the when and where of the battle. Why are you in a battle? When are you supposed to battle? And where are you supposed to be? Not in the heavenlies on an airplane dancing, you know, spiritual dance. Or not in front of like doing flags and somehow you're defeating the devil by waving flags. You defeat the devil when you go to a person who's broken and you say, hey, God loves you. Don't fear. God's for you. He's going to come through for you. Hey, here, I want to bless you. Hey, God told me to, to take care of this for you. Hey, you know this where you're worried over here? God told me don't told, told me to tell you, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to see, you know, you got to put reality to your Christianity. Okay, it's not, it's not heavenly fireballs and goofball stuff and all this, oh, oh, all this weirdo stuff that happens. It's, it's the changed heart. It's the heart that now desires to be used by God. And, and there's a false religion that tries to make people feel guilty about that. Oh, you want to be somebody for God? Oh, you just want to be somebody? No, I actually am somebody. That's what he told me. That's what he's delivered me. And he saved me because he said he loved me and he made me somebody. He takes the nobodies and he makes them somebodies. Go read First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 and 3. And then you'll, you'll I think it's 3 actually, where it talks about God take, he takes nobodies and makes them somebodies. Let's discuss these, the why, right? The why. Why is the battle? We've, we've already kind of talked about that. The why is to set people free, is for them to see Jesus, for them to encounter God, to have a relationship with God, and to be used by God on the earth. When? Now. It's now. It's when you get saved. It's when you come to the Lord. That's why some of the most on fire, bold Christians are the ones who just got saved. Some of the most stuffy, stuck up, religious, dead Christians are the ones who've been saved for a long time. 
right? And they're, and they're waiting for God to come and rescue them. And, and their life is, it's not about going and being a light in the world. Their life's about waiting for God to come deliver them. And most of the time it's in every area of their life. I need God to deliver me. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. And the whole time God's like, Hey, uh, the reason why you're struggling is because you're so focused on yourself. Get your eyes off of you, put them on me and I'll turn your gaze towards them because that's where my heart is. That's what my heart is, is yearning for is for those who are lost to be found. Each one of us called to the work of the ministry. Everyone, everyone has those shoes. Everyone has a specific pair that God has created for them. The gospel of peace. It's the ministry of making peace towards between God and man, right? Not peace between man and the devil. God's not saying, hey, this gospel peace is so that you can have peace with the devil. You can be at peace with him and he can be at peace with you. And, and as long as you're doing what he wants, he's at peace with you. That's the devil's thing. No, this is for you to be at peace with God because God's king, he's Lord, and he's the one that brings peace and he's the one that is peace. And the devil wants to come and, and disrupt that. But our message is to, is to bring people into a, that peace and unity with God. And not only with God, but with each other, right? We're not here to, to fight and bicker and, and kill each other. Unfortunately, it's had to happen in wars, because you have wickedness trying to overthrow. And, and, and at the end of the day, like, I don't know how to explain this other than I will fight and die for my freedoms, for my family. And I believe that God's okay with that. I don't think God's up there. No, don't go to war. Don't fight for your family. Just wait for me to come save you. No, I, if I, that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't have the freedoms as a Christian I do today if it wasn't for the men who went before me and died in a battle to take back the beach to, to um, right, the beach at Normandy, to, to, to take, to, to win a battle, to fight those battles and win. And deaths, and the price was death. The price was somebody had to take some bullets and die while another guy advanced past him. And if I have to do that so that I have freedom, then praise God, because ultimate freedom is death, right? So if I got to pay a price to die, then I get to go be with the Lord because I'm saved. But also I paid a price for somebody else, hopefully while they're still on the earth before God comes back to have the freedoms that my ancestors died for. So sometimes that peace and unity with others doesn't work because you have dictators and people trying to force things on you. And as long as you have a fight, then I believe you should fight. I don't believe if that's the case, you're going to lay down and you're going to, you're going to be, you know, walked over and you're going to lose all your freedoms and you're going to die without, you're right. You're going to die at some point And then what? You didn't pay a price. You weren't willing. You weren't strong. You weren't brave. You didn't embrace the fight. You wanted to run from it. Peace and unity with each other. We need to understand that the battle is the Lord's, but also the battle of, of um, that inward battle with ourself, forgiving ourself, knowing how the enemy works in our own heart, in our own life. We have to be mindful of that. We need to know how the enemy uses people and fight from a place of love and grace by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, you know, people can be like they're done, right? Like, Sometimes you, there's just, you can go only so far with people and you have to make a decision 
to break that relationship or break that connection because people just go, they turn south and they become so surrendered to the to the the enemy that they're no longer benefit um, in the sense of like they're actually going to become that enemy in your life where they're 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 so hateful and wicked that they're not even doing God's work. They're actually doing the enemy's work in your life. And you have to be able to discern this when you can be trying to help people and those people you're trying to help actually hurt you. And I think this is a part of ministry, but at the same time, we got to use wisdom and try to use it to our advantage to help those people become free. And God can equip us and anoint us for that. So the ministry of driving out and destroying the influence and works of the enemy, peace comes with the good news of the gospel. Peace comes when people say yes to God and repent and realize they're a sinner and that they need Jesus. So the Great Commission is a huge part of the shoes that we wear, right? Like if if the shoes had a brand, that brand would, wouldn't be Nike. It would be the Great Commission. What kind of shoes you got? I got those Great Commission, <laughs> right? You don't got those... Uh, um, Air Jordans. I got the Great Commissions, man. Have you seen these? They're, they're look at this pair of Great Commissions. <laughs> That's my shoes. I got, and it's an instruction. It's a command or a duty given to uh, people, to us. It's it's not. Hey, if you hey if you feel like it, you know, when you're going about your day, and you're just kind of doing you, and you can get around to doing this, do it. Right. Like when, as you're just going around, you know, and then you get an opportunity. No, it's a command that that's actually the thing that's moving you. So when you're going around your day, your purpose is the Great Commission. It's not, oh, well, if it just suddenly happens. No, you're looking for opportunities to preach. You're looking for opportunities where God can use your life. And the more we're open to this, I believe the more God will bring those opportunities. And, and sometimes they're divine appointments. And sometimes there's just it's just work. It's just you doing the work. Right. Sometimes it's you go to work and you're happy and you're having a great day and productivity. And then there's hard times where you don't feel like getting up and going and you don't want to go. But you just do the work. You just get it done. You just press through the feelings and you do what you got to do. And it's the same thing with Christianity. It's the same thing with the Great Commission. There's times it's going to flow and you're going to be like, wow, this is supernatural. And there's going to be times where you're just being faithful to the instruction and command that God gave us to tell people about what Jesus did for them. Tell them about what he's done in you, in your life, your personal testimony. And then you're there to make disciples. You have to be intentional in leadership to make disciples. You can't just be flippant and just, well, if people want to be a disciple, that's up to them and God. I can't do anything about it. If that's the case, God wouldn't have told us to make them. Make is something we do. And let me tell you, there's people making disciples and they're making, like the, the Pharisees, they're making converts that are, that are doing nothing. They're comfortable in their Christianity and they're not a light in the, in the world. They're just sitting in a pew, sitting in a building, and they're waiting for some kind of supernatural encounter to, to happen again while the world's going to hell. And God's like, you want to see a supernatural encounter? Go out there and do something and, and <laughs> go obey the command I gave you and I'll show you supernatural signs and wonders. I'll use your life. We have to be intentional to make disciples, not in the image of man, but in the image of God. And I think there's a difference. Like you're, whoever you're following, you're going to become like. Like you can watch certain ministers and then see people that follow them or that connected and they kind of talk the same. They'll have the same kind of way they talk, which is normal because, you know, just like a father 
uh, our son will emulate his father because that's who he sees and that's who he's um, around all the time. It's the same thing with Christianity. But you want to be around people who who have more than just you know this cute thing called Christianity, right? Oh, this it, it, like where there's compromise. Like you don't want to be around people who compromise and say, "Oh, I'm making disciples, and all my disciples compromise with me," right? You don't want to, you don't want to go follow somebody who's a minister, but yet behind the scenes they're a homosexual. Or not even behind the scenes. Nowadays, you have minister uh, certain organizations that are, accept homosexual ministers, and they give them an office, and they're practicing. So, what are you going to do? Have a church, and then everybody in your church basically are homosexuals and, and sodomizers, right? Like this is the reality of that in the Bible. If you read it, it, it it's not God. That's man. That's sin. So you're going to build ministry around sin and make disciples. <laughs> that's evil. So we're not waiting for people to come to us. We're going out and being intentional. It's our responsibility to go find people and make disciples. We have to cast out demons uh, by the spirit. We discern, we expose, we drive them out by the word of God, by the love of God, and by our fear of the Lord. Our fear of God actually empowers us to go do battle with the enemy. Uh, it's in our personal life. It's in our marriage. It's in our families. We have the authority to drive out the enemy by the spirit to, to when he's starting to do things or when he gets uncovered, we go and we drive him out in Jesus name. He gives us the ability to speak in tongues, to pray in the Holy Ghost, to, 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 to actually begin to train our body and our natural mind, right? The spirit speaking through our our mouth words that we don't understand with our mind but god does and god knows and we're exercising faith because we're doing something that actually requires faith i have to believe that what i'm praying and saying is actually heavenly and that god's listening that's faith and not only that but it's now prepping me and preparing me to know how to to allow god to use me in other areas whether it's prophetic whether it's um, word of knowledge God can use you supernaturally. And I think that spiritual gift of praying in tongues is really that primer. It's that thing that prepares and you build yourself up on your most most holy faith and faith is being built. And then when you have that faith built up, you now step out in it and you're walking in gifts in things of God that you never even thought you were able to do. And we have to earnestly seek those gifts like the Bible says. We have to ask him for more. We have to go to him and say, God, use me, use my life. We can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We exercise this with purpose. We believe that God, they may not get healed, but I'm going to be obedient to the command. And some may get healed and some may not. But that's not determined by me whether I obey the command. If somebody doesn't get healed, then I don't go, oh, I guess it doesn't work. I'm not going to do that anymore. No, I go, I'm going to try again because I know, God, you can do it. And we fight from a place of victory. We are victorious in God. We have victory in him. By self-examination, we are not ignorant if we are, if we are prepared. There's self-examination, meaning you have to know how to look at yourself and allow the spirit of God to train you and prepare you. We're not ignorant, we are prepared. Yeah, I'm kind of going long today with this message, but there's just so much here and 
So I'm going to kind of stop it here and, and may come back to this. Actually, that was the end. I'm probably just going to, let's just go ahead and put a pin in it here. But we fight from a place of victory. Jesus purchased the victory. We have to exercise our authority. We have to live and walk in that victory. And that, that happens through self-examination and us not being ignorant, being prepared, knowing the word of God, being diligent to have a relationship and to walk in the things of God, to, to be um, united with him being one with him, one mind, right? One baptism, one faith, getting around other people that believe the same way, that encourage one another to do the purpose that God's called them to do. And to be willing to forgive, being willing to like walk in the love of God, that's that's huge to, to being used by God. Is that love of God is the is the foundation and the source of why we do all we do. So to say everything I said, to come back to, hey, it's the love of God. It's the love of God that pushes us towards him. It's the love of God that pushes us towards them. That love of God isn't driving you to just stay around God and be selfish with God. No, it's driving you to now go out and to love people and to build relationships with people, to be a light in their life so that they can partake of who God is in your life and you can partake of who God is in their life. And we can sharpen iron sharpens iron and we can become better believers and better Christians through this exchange. Lord, I thank you for your word. I love you. I bless you. I thank you, God, whoever listens, God, that they're encouraged, God, that they that they take it to heart, and God, that they they that they realize that they're prepared. They've been their feet have been shod, and they can walk in this victory. They can walk in this mandate, and they can go out and destroy and expose the works of the devil, and see you glorified, and see you magnified, in in their life, and in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, Amen.